Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, and good night. You are listening to Holding Down the Fort with Alejandro Soto. I got a real special episode for you today. Joining me for this episode are Autumn Turley and Pan Williams of the Chautauqua Tour. They came through town uh, at this point a couple weeks ago. I'm recording this the evening of Christmas Day. It's real late. Just got back from family Christmas in Illinois. A lot of fun. Um, And a couple weeks before all that jazz went down, these two interesting characters from today's episode came to town and Pan led a magic dance for us and Autumn led a contact improv workshop, which were both super awesome, uh, very beneficial. I learned a lot. Um, We really connected the scene and like the community together in a new way, which was really, really awesome. So I'm grateful to both of them for their energy, their time for coming to town and sharing their gifts and their talents with us. You guys are welcome back anytime. Yeah, I look forward to uh, seeing you roll through on the next tour. If not to do another gig or event for us, just to have a safe place to stay in the good old crossroads of America. Anyway, I'll get on with the show. So here is the Chautauqua Tour. All right, so uh, holding down the fort, I've got Autumn Turley and Pan Williams here with me. Am I saying your names right? Yeah. Yes. Okay, cool, cool. And you guys are coming through Fort Wayne as part of the Chautauqua tour. Did I say that right? Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah, good job so far. <laughs> three for three. <laughs> Probably going to mess up the next funny word. Just don't try and spell it. Yeah, that, no, I'm not going to do that. C-H-A-U-T-A-U-Q, it's crazy. <laughs> yeah, there's a Q in there. Yeah. yeah. And uh, so we, you're, this evening, actually the evening of recording, you guys are doing a contact improv workshop and ecstatic dance for us. Uh, This episode's going to come out two weeks from yesterday. So when people hear this, that will be like long gone. Like no one's (laughs) even going to be, no, people will still be talking about it because I'm really looking forward to it. And so you guys took the time to sit down with me and uh, record an episode of the podcast. So thanks for being here. Yeah, I appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for it. inviting us. It's really nice. So, and we were talking a little bit before, um, Autumn and I, about how you've been on the road for like two and a half months, almost two and a half months now. Is that right? Yeah, a mm-hmm. little, little over two months. Yeah. Cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it got started at the beginning of October. And yeah, here we are almost halfway through December. So we'll tour three months out of the year this is our third year with the mobile monastery chautauqua tour we're going international this year which is a first uh had a couple of uh, events up in canada and over a dozen u.s states so we're all over the place and this is our third year back in the fort wayne area um so we have really enjoyed it here and received a warm welcome and people are just really receptive and loving and it's nice to be back awesome Mm -hmm. i'm stoked to hear that (laughs) yeah uh, indiana is the crossroads of america Mm -hmm. so um as a resident here i try to 
uh, see that as a responsibility. You know, mm. if there are people passing through here, and so mm. we got to take care of our travelers. So, I love that. Uh, yeah. Hospitality, mm-hmm. big ups. Yeah, yeah. I think it's uh, in too short of supply these days, if you ask me, but that's neither here nor there. Um, and so, Autumn, you started the tour. Is that right? This is kind of your brainchild, your baby. Yeah, so um, back in high school, I read this book called Zen and the Art of Motorcycle Maintenance. And I've heard of this. No, yeah. I've heard of this. Okay, cool. Yeah. Yeah. The author, Robert M. Prissig, uses Chautauqua as a metaphor in that book. And so I'm reading this book and he's explaining Chautauqua as a metaphor. And I started to wonder, what even is a Chautauqua? So I googled it and then ended up reading every single hit that I could find and becoming more and more clear, wow, this is exactly what I need to do with my life. And um, the original Chautauqua movement started back in the late 1800s, early 1900s, and they would travel around in covered wagons similar to a carnival or a circus. But the difference is that the circuses at the time were mostly targeting the big cities, whereas the Chautauquas Mm. would target the more isolated rural places. And back before mass media and mass transit, that was one of the only ways that those places had to get culture from the rest of the country. And with the development of mass media and mass transit, the original Chautauqua movement died out. And the way that we see it is that now mass media has developed to the point that a lot of people get culture by sitting isolated in front of a screen, especially Mm. during these times. Um, and so my vision pretty much ever since high school was to start a new Chautauqua movement as a way to bring culture back into an interactive context. And so, um, in 2016, I ran my first two very small scale Chautauqua tours. The first, I was traveling with my friend Jeremy and we both teach contact improv, which is a dance form. We both, um, are massage therapists and we're both musicians. So for that tour, we turned... I had a bus at the time. We turned it into the musical massage and movement bus and did a three-month tour from Santa Cruz, California to Bellingham, Washington and back teaching contact improv and doing massage and sharing music along the route. Mm. And then, um, and that tour went pretty well. It was two people in one vehicle. Um, The next one, a few months later, was four people in one vehicle. Um, That one was a permaculture Chautauqua tour and um, permaculture is a practice of basically sustainably working with the earth and um we for that tour i was traveling with my friend doran who organizes events and sean who does tea ceremony and norm Mm -hmm. who does documentation so for that tour um we were organizing community potluck style events at different permaculture projects where we would offer massage and tea as a way to bring people from the local communities out to experience permaculture and that was a three-week tour from Santa Cruz, California, or rather San Luis Obispo, California, to San Diego, California, and back. And um, that tour also went very well. And then um, in 2017, I started training at the Monastic Academy, and um, I was telling Soryu, the head teacher, about the Chautauqua vision and movement, and um, he said that he had had a similar vision that he was calling mobile monasteries. And so ever since that conversation, I felt really clear that when I ended my training, I wanted to start Mm -hmm. a mobile monastery Chautauqua tour. Um, And I also felt very clear, you know, I've done enough tours that I'm capable of doing this single-handedly. I've, in addition to the other two Chautauqua tours, I had done a handful of music tours back when I played with a touring band. But 
the monastic academy where this tour came from um, is a spiritual community. And what I really want to share on the road is community. And it mm -hmm. takes at least two people to have a community. You can't be a community mm -hmm. of one. Um, and mm -hmm. so I really had to figure out who's both crazy enough and magical enough to actually do this with me. And yeah. Fortunately, Pan was about to end his residency. And he's probably the craziest and most magical person who's ever trained at the monastic academy. So, um, so he was sharp. like, he was like, I'm in. And it was a huge thing to say I'm into something where you don't even know what it's going to be. I don't even know what mm. it's going to be. I did two Chautauqua tours in the past, but this is obviously going to be something totally different. And um, for him to have that willingness of like, okay, I'm in this with you. Let's do this together. Um, without that, I couldn't have started this tour. So, um, so Pan was really a key player in getting this off the ground two years ago. Cool. Cool. Mm. So then, how'd you get into it, Pan? Yeah. Just jump right in. <laughs> well, Weirdo in residence. It's, not, <laughs> it's yeah, it's, I did, you know, um, Autumn and I talked about this vision and she invited me in to be a co-founder of the tour and to become one of the original teachers on the tour. To me, uh, as Autumn mentioned, you know, um, we both have this history with the Monastic Academy, which is a spiritual leadership training uh, community. And I was just finishing uh, directing one of our centers, the one out in the Bay, um, and had finally the ability to, uh, after about six years of running these organizations and living on site and being fully immersed in like a, in a modern monastic training setting where people are, it's a highly structured environment, you know, starting at 4.30 in the morning, meditating, chanting, going all day, you know, very structured, um, uh, immersive lifestyle um, that was opening up. And at the same time, this was during the beginning of the pandemic that we began, um, I guess not even the beginning, but it would have been in the second year of the pandemic. So really like the thick of it. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that we were seeing was that so many places were shutting down the opportunities for people to come together to to do uh, nourishing community gatherings that, in my view, were actually very healthy for people to be able to come together, to be able to, you know, connect with other human beings in real time loving presence, to get back to the fundamentals of what it means to be a, a human being, a person um, in connection with others, particularly doing spiritual practices like meditation and nature connection and uh, that that bring people into a form of health and wellness that goes beyond just, okay, what are the medications that you're taking? What are the, you know, it's like, these are, these are very um, empowering and nourishing practices. I know you're a yoga teacher, you know, um, and, and the, the benefits of that to holistic wellness being so huge. And so at a time where many of those events were either being locked down, so literally made illegal, or just kind of drying up because people were, you know, um, uncertain about that. 
to me, it was very clear that bringing opportunities, not everybody has to participate, you know, everybody can choose their own path and, and that's great, but at least the opportunity to come together <clears throat> in community, uh, having meaningful experiences that include wellness, spirituality, uh, interpersonal relating and connecting on a deeper level, um, that seemed very important. And it was, it was, uh, it was that that I think really made it like this must happen for me, um, as well as some other aspects of it, like as Autumn mentioned, the Chautauqua tour tradition focusing on going all over the place, but including going to smaller or uh, more out of the way places, you know, places that we've been to like Montana, rural Montana or like, you know, like North Dakota or just like <laughs> Minnesota places that uh, Dude, these are places I want to go hang out. They're amazing. <laughs> like, places. They're so beautiful. I, I love them. <laughs> yeah. I, in fact, I've, I've lived in all of the places we just mentioned, nice. uh, all of those States oh. I've lived in. Um, but there's far less opportunity for people mm. to have events like uh, they're just there's not a whole lot of contact improvisation jams uh, <laughs> out in uh, rural North Dakota. Right. Yeah, like yeah. or just like um, so. And I've lived there, lived a lot of my life on the West Coast where it's just there's just more opportunities, which is great. But but then coming to places like Fort Wayne where uh, there's an interest and an appreciation for these offerings felt very meaningful to me because it's bringing it to people who wouldn't otherwise have as many opportunities to engage in these practices. And those were a couple of the things that I was like, okay, cool. This feels like it's making a positive impact in the world in a significant way. Let's go for it. Mm, that's awesome. Yeah. And well, thank you for coming to Fort Wayne because, yeah, there's hey. definitely an interest in, like, a, a, a nice under like underground, like, hippie woo-woo <laughs> spiritual community. Um, and, and so the ecstatic dance group, uh, Tulip Tree, my friend Julia runs it. Uh, she started doing those about two years ago. Um, so, yeah, like, thick of the pandemic. Mm -hmm. And... It, it started off small, but it's been kind of steadily growing. You know, people keep showing up, uh, which is really cool. And, yeah, I, I hear it's cool to hear what you said about, like, coming from the West Coast and there being more opportunities there. Um, like I mentioned when I went out to Oregon a couple of years ago. And, like, in the three and a half weeks I was there, there was, like, a giant ecstatic dance. And, like... Life regret I have, I didn't go. I was, like, in a crazy place in life, like, totally tumultuous and just, like, needed my own space. And so now it's really funny that I'm part of the group here in Fort Wayne that's putting all the dances. It's, like, you know, uh, seems like my karma or something that, you know, the, the thing that I didn't let myself go to and enjoy is now the thing that, like, people are bringing to my town and I have an opportunity opportunity to help foster and uh nice. like hold space for um and yeah and there is that like hunger and and desire for people here um but also like it's it's neat what you were saying about starting this in the pandemic and seeing 
the just how our social interactions were just falling apart. I mean, yeah, yeah. it disappeared so much. Yeah. Um, and, and I had a weird experience personally in the pandemic. Like I started working in a grocery store, the mm-hmm. health food shop here in Fort Wayne, three weeks before the pandemic hit. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was teaching wow. voice lessons at the School of Rock. Mm-hmm. Um, so mm-hmm. voice lessons went digital. So I'm like singing with kids over Zoom. It was terrible. I mean, eventually I just had them write a a book, a report, do a five paragraph MLA style essay on their favorite artist and why. Because I was like, well, this is weird. I can't hear you sing. You can't hear me sing. But we got to spend a half hour together because it's on the schedule. So (laughs) what music do you like? Um, And then also at the shop, I didn't get that like stay home lockdown experience mm. i was an essential worker okay which for me was strange like being an artsy floating fellow i had never like been in a position where i was called essential mm. and so all of us it was so fucking weird man <laughs> but like you know everybody's complaining about being stuck at home and i'm like well, I got to go up and get to work and it's stressful. <laughs> and so like, but now as we're coming out of that, I'm seeing what you're talking about, like people wanting to get out and do stuff and reconnect and whether, I don't know if people are conscious of that or like are able to put it into words like you just did so well, but like I'm hearing people talk about how, about that and i'm trying to see it as like an opportunity you know um like like to see that now people i I was talking to someone who owns a venue here in town and he was saying like it's so hard to get people to just come to shows Mm -hmm. and to just show up Mm -hmm. to stuff Mm -hmm. and i'm like well let's see that as an opportunity to do something different than just a bar show Mm -hmm. um and like we have this chance it's kind of like a clean slate at least here in Fort Wayne, because it it did get pretty locked down here. I mean, we're in Indiana, a traditionally like red political state, and like there's a lot of hospitals and stuff around here. So like we got pretty. It was it was intense. It like wasn't as intense as like I heard it was in like L.A. or like yeah. New York. Yeah. Like it sounded like the flipping apocalypse. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, Seriously, yeah. Gnarly. I was in San Francisco at the time. Oh, it was man. outrageous. Oh man, yeah. yeah. It sounded wild. <laughs> yeah. So it, it's cool that I mean, you guys had that idea and are following that that vision and bringing it into reality. Because um, I mean, it just takes work. Like to bring bring that vision. It, it's real easy to have a vision. It's a lot harder to like shoot the texts and emails and line everything up Mm -hmm. um Mm -hmm. so how's that been this has been your third tour so is it has it been smooth like is it uh i mean you made it this far so you haven't quit (laughs) so that's at least a good sign yeah (laughs) yeah so um this year has been an interesting tour there's been a lot of different factors at play um One factor is that given that this is the third tour, we have a lot of infrastructure to build off of Mm -hmm. from the past two tours. And so it's just as much work because you still have to make all of the outreach and do all of the logistics coordination and just all of the same amount of back end work. But what is smoother is um, it's a lot easier to put things in place. It's a lot easier to 
find venues. It's a lot easier to bring people to our events. It's a lot easier to find host houses where we can stay. Um, so I'm still doing all the work to get those in place, but it's no longer um, the work of searching, which during the first tour always felt like a very vulnerable position of mm -hmm. like, oftentimes we didn't know where we were going to sleep until maybe the day we got there. And um, <laughs> this year, um, it's been really exciting to see how we're really starting to build this network of people who have now experienced what we're doing or know people who have experienced what we're doing. And, um, and so that's been pretty smooth. Um, last year, or the first year, it was just Pan and me. Um, last year, we had four people on board, and this year we expanded our team to six. But it's been interesting just given the circumstances um everyone except for me has had to leave the tour and come back for various reasons one person had a already scheduled retreat one person had some health issues one person had um um a work gig one person after we did our event at the monastic academy the head teacher was like okay you've got a lot of momentum in your practice you need to stay here for this upcoming <laughs> meditation yeah. retreat and i was like no we're losing a person again and, and but then also um three people from the monastic academy each year you're allowed to take a week off to do a different type of retreat so three different people um did their away retreats with mm. us which was exciting mm. cool. but um all the ins and outs have made it really challenging to establish a solid group field like we had the past two years and mm. also um you know it's been really clarifying that the number six is sort of the tipping point where the structures in place that we had for two to four still work but the tour is sort of outgrowing them and mm -hmm. there's definitely some things that need to adjust to have more people but we haven't quite figured out what are those things and what that's what's that going to look like and I feel like it's sort of the tour is sort of like a 13 year old right now <laughs> where it's like still a child in some ways but it's also starting to like get this adult body that it doesn't really know what to do with and <laughs> um, so that, that's felt very rocky, but it's also felt very exciting of like, wow, like we're, we're really doing like real growth this year. Hmm. Yeah. Hmm. Cool. Cool. Yeah. And, and mm. it's neat to hear how it's like a living thing. It's such yes. a living thing. That's it's really such cool. a living thing. And what's really exciting about that too, is, you know, Pan and I started this two years ago. And then last year, Pan was helping start up an intentional community in Chico, and so he was only available to join for a week of the tour. So then it was me taking this thing that Pan and I had built together and bringing new people into it. Um, and even though Pan was not on the tour, his influence from what we had co-created very much was. Mm -hmm. And then this year he's back on the tour, but now with all these new people, mm -hmm. um, because other than Pan and I, the other four people, it's their first time on this tour. And so um, even though the people change, the tour itself very much is a living thing. And um, a metaphor that we've used before is, you know, the mission of the tour is to help people take the next step on their spiritual path. And that's true of the people who were serving at our events, but it's also true 
definitely of those of us who are on the tour, we end up by necessity taking several steps on our spiritual path. It's sort of like these three months really accelerate the spiritual path for us because it just doesn't really stop and you just have to keep up or else you're going to get left behind. Um, but even though those of us on the tour have our own spiritual paths, the tour itself has a spiritual path. Um, mm and is very much an entity that's walking it. And so it's been really um, fascinating to get to witness that over the past three years. Mm. And it's kind of like a child, you know, it's like the way that you raise a child is going to have a lot of influence on it. One child, if they had had totally different parents would be a very different person. And yet a child also comes into it with their own unique qualities. And so I feel like, um, you know, Pan and I, as the parents of this tour, we have a vision, and yet, and so the, the tour is going to grow in accord with that influence, but at the same time, it's very much its own entity walking its own path and doesn't necessarily go in the direction that its parents think it should, and then we have to choose how to respond to that. Do we become more strict? Do we become more loose? Let's try both, see what happens. So that's been a really fun process as well. Huh. And it's amazing how... I guess it's one of the the qualities of the tour that I really appreciate is that since the beginning, our strategy has really been to meet the communities where we're going on their own terms. Mm -hmm. So we offer anything from a two-hour workshop to up to a five-day immersion where people, we just were in uh, Boston, uh, Somerville, which is in the Boston area, for mm -hmm. instance. And we did a, a three day deep dive with, oh, cool. yeah, we had a total of 15 people there. Um, and that was a, a, a closed container going really deep with, uh, a smaller number of people than we have at some of our other events. Um, that's what that community was interested in. You know, that was what they wanted when we said, okay, well, here are different offerings. What would you like? Well, are they interested in uh, dance? Are they interested in seated meditation with, uh, you know, guided meditation? Are they interested in a nature experience? Are they interested in working with spirit allies who are our, our, our guides, our guardians in the subtle realms? Um, some, some groups are like, wow, that sounds amazing. Others are like, whoa, that's way too woo woo. Like, <laughs> we we, we, we want to like keep it more kind of grounded here. Um, so in terms of both our offerings and the structure of how we present them, we have, we, we intentionally build it in so that we touch base with our hosts and say, what would the people in your community really resonate with? Mm -hmm. um, and then how can we structure something that's going to invite them into something that, that will, will be conducive to what they are going to vibe with? Um, and as a result, the tour is kind of molded by the communities that we serve. Mm -hmm. You know, oh, we show cool. up and... 
right? It's just like, it just morphs where it's like, you know, I think of like, you know, a tour, say like a band, like they're going to play the same set Mm. pretty much everywhere they go Mm. most of the time, Mm -hmm. you know, if they're just, but like for us, it's like, we're actually mutating as we go. And then that informs us as well and helps us to learn, wow, okay, that format was amazing. Like let's, or like, whoa, what if we did the same thing we just did there, but did it completely differently? Or, huh, it's really challenging. You know, it, there there are things that we learn from the the communities. Yeah. And even just, like, the quality of staying at people's homes, mm-hmm. like, on their couches. Mm-hmm. Like, it's sort of like we live their life a little bit. Yeah. Like, if they're like, oh, like, this is like, if they prepare a meal, that's like, that's the kind of food that they eat. Or, like, what are they into? Like... What is their house even like? It kind of affects us, you know? It's like, are we staying in, like, a really artistic, zany, wild home with stuff everywhere? (laughs) Or is it, like, extremely, like, simple, plain, tidy? And, like, that has an effect on the tour members. And then then that, in turn, comes out in our expression. Mm. Yeah, very much so. And, um, you know, a tagline that, Pan cleverly came up with is that the Chautauqua is a spiritual community on wheels, but obviously the people on the tour are in community with each other. It's extremely intimate to live in a tiny little van for three months straight, but um, <laughs> but at the same time, we have host houses everywhere we go, and so then, just like Pan was saying, those people become part of our community, and we're in relationship with them, and we're co-creating with them, and they, like Pan said, really influence and inspire, um, you know, our life. And so it's really, um, I love just getting to be in community with all these different people living such different lives all over the country and really getting to find like, you know, it's like the retreat that Pan was just talking about that we led last weekend was called a sacred relating intensive. And the summary of what sacred relating is, is finding ways that we can be in relationship with the inquiry of what is sacred, what is sacred. And so it's like, as we're staying in all these people's homes and in relationship with all these people, and even the people who just come to our events, we really get to tune into like, wow, what is sacred to this person? And how can we be of service to that? And by being of service to that, we're changed and grow and transform and are inspired. And so it's, it's a really exciting way to have this national community in person as a you know there's there's many worldwide communities that are through the internet but to actually have a worldwide community in person because we're traveling from person to person is a very unique experience Mm, that's awesome i'm a a young deadhead and so hearing (laughs) Uh you talk about like (laughs) You know, we don't do the same thing each night. I'm like, the Dead played 3,000 shows and never played the same set list twice. Uh-huh. And like, uh-huh. I, that's what I love about them. Like, yes. I, I, I have a respect for the super tight technical bands that do play the same set every night, or at least like the, the same songs. You know, they're playing the album and they do it mm-hmm. the same way. Because I'm thinking of like gent bands, like Animals as Leaders or like Polyphia or something that's just insanely like on, an, on levels beyond what I will probably ever get to but that's not my thing my my thing is what you're talking about like finding something new in what's familiar um Mm. like i Mm. I think of it was 
Alan Watts that talked about like seeing God in an ashtray. Mm-hmm. It's like mm-hmm. if you can see something so mundane. And I mean, that's the experience. Like for my perspective, I'm living in Fort Wayne all the time. I dated, I work two miles down the road. Like most of my life happens within a three mile radius of where we're sitting right now, which is awesome. Like I'm very fortunate for the life I've got right now. And so you guys are bringing in this like thing that is not the it's it's taken me out of my uh, routine, which I'm so grateful for. Like uh, it's that's stuff that I hunger for. Um, And it's so it's awesome to hear that you guys are stepping in maybe sometimes out of your comfort zone to meet people where they are. yeah that's that's rad that's so cool um and so uh, uh, me being a musician and you guys are doing a dance autumn you said you did some touring back in the day and you're a music what do you guys do what's your music thing like pan you're doing the music for the dance tonight that's right. right yeah so tonight is is exciting this will be the second ever magic dance um my background is I am an ecstatic dance DJ. Um, I went through uh, ecstatic dance DJ training in Santa Cruz with oh, Daniel cool. Molnar um, and have just been a huge like fan because it totally transformed my life and really helped me, especially through some, some challenging times, to, to have the experience of movement and connection with people and being able to just really flow freely on the dance floor and and I've always loved music and have been through various musical uh openings of my own you know used to run a music venue for several years and was always you know have been uh, uh an informal freestyle rapper when I was you know in my early 20s and yeah. so <laughs> that's awesome that's yeah, awesome you know, I love like, that there's all kinds of fun stuff you know it's like it was back in the day like the different phases of like yeah. you know punk rock when you're a teenager oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. and like you know oh, yeah. like had the spike hawk <laughs> and all that and, <laughs> you know so um yeah um so what what I'm coming to now is this um using the basic format of music that's is bass music it's world music it's the kind of stuff you find in i guess you'd say the ecstatic dance scene or sort of the conscious festival scene that you might find mm-hmm. uh, record labels like high vibe or um you know artists like uh desert dwellers or um some of the the like burning man style like dj stuff yeah, um yeah, yeah. this is all kind of like and then of course influenced different uh, influences but but really what's been emerging is the magic dance is it takes a lot of those those same elements that you find in ecstatic dance with movement and the opportunity to be in your totally own flow and to connect with others in the group field and then really brings in some more structure and ceremony mm-hmm. so okay cool, cool. yeah yeah like cool. we'll be using a variety of oracle card decks throughout the dance will flow in and out of um, coming into a circle and and actually like dropping into various meditations and then uh, drawing uh, drawing upon these cards and uh, to to receive inspiration. Uh, oracle cards for those who 
may not be as familiar. Uh, you may have heard of tarot, which is a form you could say is, is one aspect of uh, uh, oracle or divinatory cards. Um, and this is a, a an ancient way of connecting with the higher forces, the allies, the guides, the guardians in the subtle realms that can then flow their wisdom through the the cards, through the images, through the words, through the colors, the shapes, the characters that are on the cards, that then that those cards reflect back a very uh, unique message for each person because mm. in that moment, each person, given their life experience, their interpretation, their their resonance will receive something from that. And, you know, this is so, so, so drawing people in and then offering them chances to embody the energies that are coming through, through intuition, um, in, mm. in a sort of like ceremonial structure and then flowing through the dance influenced by these magics, the, the whole time co-creating an altar, um, there'll be opportunities to even create your own art drawing and coloring and adding it to this mandala of an altar that we'll be creating. And then the whole thing being a powerful spell that's emanating out into the world and saturating our lives. It's a new moon right now. Yeah, um, it's yeah. like the, the new moon being a perfect time to really set intention and to start fresh. It's like the moon is dark. So there's like nothing there on a sort of esoteric or magical level. Um, and and so in this new moon time, which it's also we're, we're doing this right around the winter solstice, which yeah. is also the time of darkness. So it's a perfect time as we kind of are wrapping up many of the energies of 2023 mm. to see what's coming through and wants to be danced through and wants to be moved through um, in this sort of like integration time, but then also seeing kind of what, what new energies might be like just starting to come into like, uh, maybe this wants to kind of be gestated and eventually birthed mm. in the new year. Mm. Yeah. 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 Yeah, because, like, you know, when one chapter closes, another opens. Yeah. That's, oh, that's so cool. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah, in, it's just fun. In spring, I, I had a bunch of friends and I got together for a brunch. And while we were eating, I was like, okay, guys, let's, like, go around and, like, set our intentions for this season. You know, it's the beginning of the year, spring, things are coming back to life. And the intention I set was, like, completion and to, like, see things through. Um, and like, uh, that's a, a weakness of mine has been, you know, starting a billion books and, you know, getting to uh-huh. halfway through the second chapter and never any further <laughs> or, 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 like, or things like that. Uh, that's been like a weakness of mine. So trying to like get, take steps in the positive direction to like not do that. Um, and so to hear that that's what you're doing, I'm like, holy. I mean, without even knowing it, you're meeting at least me where I'm at and like what I'm working on. And like we were talking a little bit about um, like the contact improv workshop and some theater stuff I've done in the past that I think may be similar and how the goal of those was to create in theater. We called it like the ensemble, like ensemble mind or like group mind. Uh And (laughs) 
and it blows my mind because I swear it's legit. Like, yeah. and, and, uh-huh. and like when it just trying to be authentic in how I show up and how I like make my decisions. Uh, I, I meet, I have some person I've never met come over to my house and record a podcast with me. And they're like doing the thing that I, <laughs> I want to be receiving or like I've been working <laughs> towards cultivating in my own life and i don't know it just blows my mind hey um, so that's that's really cool i'm and i'm interested that there's going to be like a structure to it because i i think i was talking with nick uh my friend nick who was on the last episode and i don't and, and i've been talking about this with many people about um like religion falling away um i mean we're in the city of churches fort wayne is the city of churches like uh we're known for strip clubs churches and Sweetwater. um so if you guys being musicians actually Sweetwater, i i love to talk shit but it's actually really really cool uh it's a musical instrument warehouse they are like the people who supply gear to professional musicians like i mean i i've talked to the dude who's like oh yeah john mayer calls in all the time and has me order a new guitar for him and we shoot the shit and it's like that kind of (laughs) my my sister goes out to shows all the time and the joke is when we tell people when we tell the dudes in the band or girls in the band that we're from fort wayne they're like oh yeah Sweetwater. they won't stop calling me (laughs) and so they, they have a really cool warehouse and if you i know you guys are kind uh you're you're in and out but if you get a chance not this time or next time to check it out it's, it's like a musician's playground mm. out there uh, over the last few years they added like you know 80,000 square feet to the showroom floor like mm. the giant wall of guitars it's like a musician's fucking wet dream man <laughs> it's really awesome oh, and can um, you just go you can just go in there and yeah, peruse yeah, oh wow yeah 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 it's they've got like a wall of pedals uh-huh. uh, all the piano the piano room the bass room the drum room the used gear room which is dangerous for me i was going to say everything's cheaper like, there so you have to make sure you leave your your credit card in the car <laughs> yeah or like back at home like all right yeah come back yeah anytime i walk in i'm not getting out for like less than a hundred bucks i'm just getting strings just getting strings (laughs) new toys i got a new didgeridoo here we go (laughs) so yeah Fort. but okay so fort wayne being the city of churches but like religion you know people got a lot of baggage around that religions you know my my grandpa's a pastor and so Mm. it's just seeing that he, it's that funny he's actually retiring this coming weekend um from like a long career as a pastor i um, mean i grew up in religious schools like all lutheran schooling don't really wouldn't i'm not a card carrying member anymore um but like you know that is still a part of my life and a part of our culture we're not mm-hmm. going to get rid of jesus <laughs> christ is staying at christmas folks um but while that's kind of falling away the hole that's being left is like ceremony and ritual. And like, I mean, I found that in theater and like in, -hmm. in, and in some of the other spiritual practices I'm getting into now, but like not in the same way. And I find like, I want that. And I think there is a deeper human thing. I don't know if it's a need or a desire, but, or or maybe it's a medicine or just something, an adjunct therapy to help us maintain holistic stability. But like having a ritual where like 
it's set. Okay, this is what we're going to do. We're going to like do, we're going to sing these songs and then we're going to read this thing from the book and then we're going to walk in a circle mm-hmm. three times and then we're going to sit back down and then we're going to be done. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's kind of like sports. You know, yeah. sports do the same thing where we come mm-hmm. together, there's four quarters, might be a good halftime show, you get a little entertainment, <laughs> and then we go mm-hmm. home and do the dishes and and do take care of our needs and stuff. And like that, the ritual is like a cup filling thing. Mm-hmm. And like one, one of the things, another thing I've that really has stuck with me is like you, you, you can't give from an empty cup. And like we, we need ways to fill up our cups so that we can share with others or at least just not go around carrying an empty cup, banging it on yeah, windows yeah. like a beggar. <laughs> I've done that before. So you know, no judgment to anyone doing that. You, it have, we've all been there. Hopefully not all of us, actually. Um, but I know I've been there. So it's really cool that you're you're consciously bringing that into like the, the dance. Mm. Mm-hmm. I, I, that's really, really neat. How, and this is the second yeah. one of these you've this done. Is, this is the second one. I mean, I've done variations of very. You know, I when I lead ceremony, I often bring music in. I'm singing different sacred songs from a variety of traditions, chanting. I lead sound bath. In fact, I'll probably have. Um, we will have a a short sound bath integrative period at the end of the magic dance um but for me you're so right that there's there's such richness when we create these containers these intentional ceremonial spaces and there's just truly enchantment alive in that that is transforms people's lives and you know helps people to have deep realizations and to work through all kinds of stuck stuff in their you know wherever they're at with with their their spiritual growth it's just it's community around that is so key um i think that's something that religion has provided for a long time is it's one of the reasons why my parents took me to churches they were like yeah we're you know we're not all gung-ho about everything they say but we think it's good for you to have some backing and and these you know community where people come together around trying to live well in the world you know and uh in the magic dance i i find such beauty and such medicine as you say in the ecstatic dance world the magic dance takes it to another level of saying look we're let's be very clear this is magic as we do this together like we are cultivating a a group energy field that is emanating out into the entirety of existence. And by taking that and really making it intentional, it amplifies the power of mm-hmm. transformation by a thousand thousand fold. Mm-hmm. It's I, I've experienced it myself in even informal containers where it's just like people are just having these ecstatic experiences. They're just, they're just having transformation happen. But by really bringing it into um, an intentional uh, shared sort of like field that we're like, hey, look, we're doing this. And then people getting to express themselves Mm -hmm. and um, having some opportunity to even process that and say, you know, what was that like for you? What came through for you? And then getting to compare experiences. Oh, wow, that was that's so resonant with what happened for me. 
or, or, or wow, I, I had no idea that you were going through that. That's very insightful to hear from you. Um, formalizing it uh, is really just taking what's already there, in my opinion, in the world of sort of this conscious dance uh, movement that's now really flourishing um, and, and bringing it into structures that help to foster that in an even more uh, rich and structured way. And I think you're, you bring up so much about religion. I could probably just ramble about that for so <laughs> yeah. long, but, but I think it is fascinating that we are, that, that what I've seen, you know, cause I've been really deep in this for my entire adult life, but in the, and I'm 38 years old. So I've, I've seen a shift, um, that, has happened over the last few years and i think it's i'm not the first to point out that the pandemic i believe was ultimately a catalyst for people to really mm -hmm. have to look at their lives in a lot of certain scenarios and say mm -hmm. okay what do i really value but then the proliferation of various spiritual modalities through social media and and accessibility in at large um opening doors for a lot of people uh, so then, <clears throat> to me, the next step is to just get off the TikTok videos, which are, I'm not saying like those are the worst, but like going, <laughs> not getting off them, but going beyond just yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Coming together in ceremonial space. Um, I believe that that is a big part of what religion has offered. And now so many religions have just reached this saturation point where they're kind of just become dogmas. And so what can we take from the good things about what people get out of religion, obviously spirituality, obviously uh, learning from wise teachers who have actually done the work, who have actually, mm -hmm. you know, went on the 40 days and 40 nights in the wilderness and gone through. Because mm -hmm. it is a thing, you know, it's like it's uh, it's sort of like you go through this transformational process and it's not like you can just repeat the words that someone else said it's actually a lived experience mm -hmm. and so in religion we get those wise teachers those sages those saints those gurus throughout the ages that have um they have something to share and it's really potent it's really very real but then it's now kind of just become this big these big shambling institutions that are removed from the actual direct experience. Mm. And so, so much of the modern spirituality movement is about rewriting things and saying, okay, well, here we are in this crazy world. Like what, like, what do we value? What, like, how can we move forward? How can we use this to, to be applicable to our modern lives and the situations in our world? There's some risk, I think, of leaving behind the wisdom of the ancients that our culture is very like, yeah, we want to do it ourselves. Like, you know, we want to just be our unique individuals. Mm -hmm. So I think, I think it is important to look to the, 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 the wise ones who have come before, like looking around your apartment, there's many beautiful, like I see there's, um, I think a, a Ram Das over there or, uh, mm. you know, like, just like here we have some, some spiritual books, uh, from like the Tibetan book of the dead over here and the, the Tao Te Ching. So we have these, we can recognize the wisdom of those who came before. There's a Buddha, there's a Jesus, you know, all of these, these, these great teachers, but then how can we take their 
inspiration and some of their wisdom and then also be willing to completely go beyond it. Mm-hmm. Totally, totally mm-hmm. like throw it out while still <laughs> like taking it fully into account. It's like this, yeah. it's this dance. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and, and, oh, yeah, like, anytime I've encountered truth, there's a paradoxical, mm. a comically paradoxical <laughs> aspect to it. <laughs> Isn't that, that right? Yeah, yeah. Because, yeah, there, there is, like, I, the, I, the phrase I've heard was, was, like, don't, you can't throw the baby out with the bathwater. Mm-hmm. And so, like, for, for me, in my personal experience, going through Christian schooling, I had the shift away from that experience. And I like never went full bore like atheist. I more like got into crystals and started doing yoga. Um, but like, I'm now at a point where I'm kind of, I, I, I don't see the point in like hating on Christianity or like even hating on my past experience, like that only like reinforces my own negativity. Mm-hmm. And so like, yeah, paying homage to those who have gone before us, but also like recognizing that they were human mm-hmm. and like we're on their own path. And like the thing that's coming to mind as ridiculous as it is, is like when Jerry Garcia died mm. and like when Bob Weir first got up on stage, his thing was, what am I going to do? Not play? Jerry would have a fit. Uh-huh. I got to keep playing. Yeah. And and I think that's like the... <laughs> to speak for Buddha and Jesus, I don't think they would want us to just stop with what they had. Uh, I'm going to speak for God. He wants us to keep going. <laughs> Yes. Put myself way up there. <laughs> and, Jesus, uh, and Jesus even said, he said, those who come, a- I'm paraphrasing, but you know, he said, he said the, those who come after me will do even greater things than yeah, me. So yeah. So he's like, he's like calling us like, hey, like, don't just be like, hey, Jesus did it. Be like, now it's time for you to do it. Now it's yeah, time for me to do yeah. it. Now it's time for like the next 2.0. Yeah. So it's exciting in a lot of ways. And, and it's also crazy. I mean, it's a wild world out there. There's so many. <laughs> yeah. you know, it's like, get on Instagram. You're going to see all kinds of people saying all kinds of things. So <laughs> it's it's both this like really exciting time, but it's also this like the same thing is true with the situation of our world, that it's just like there's collapse of these old structures, whether it's religious, economic, you know, st- structures of how people interact with uh, even with the gut with government and like people are kind of done with a lot of it. It's like, Oh, this isn't really helping me. Like why, why would I, why would I it, membership in parties, for instance, has declined. People are less and less mm-hmm. trusting mm-hmm. in those institutions. Um, <clears throat> so we have both this amazing opportunity and an immense challenge of mm. how do we become leaders and reinvent, uh, both taking the old, the wise, and being willing to just completely look at things with fresh eyes. I use a comical um, uh, example that I think actually is illustrative of, of some of this, which is that why do we eat certain foods like cereal and you know yogurt and granola and eggs and bacon? Why do we eat that for breakfast, but like <laughs> only at breakfast? I'm like, what the heck? Like, is there any 
does that make any sense in terms of diet or nutrition? I'm like, no, but we just do it. Like you go to a restaurant, they're like, oh yeah, we only serve egg McMuffins until 11. Why? Why can't I get a hamburger in the morning and, you know, a McGriddle at night? I'm not advocating for McDonald's, by the way, but. I, I skipped class in college when Taco Bell came out with breakfast. Like Dude. it's it's legit, right? It's real. <laughs> <laughs> the fourth meal, what a what a what a delicious and horrifying invention. Awful. Let's just add another meal to the American <laughs> diet. Three is not enough. We need four, folks. I love it. They got me. They got me, man. I give so much of everything. Right? Fourth meal. Oh yeah. I used to I used to have a client who is a a um, a former Taco Bell marketing executive. Who oh was man, very, very close. They're so good. It's I mean, crazy. Marketing is great, but uh, but but it brings <laughs> to mind like okay, like why do we do so many things in our world in our lives? Why do we why do we just on repeat just these old behaviors? And they're very deep. They're very insidious. Um, not all of them are bad. Some of them have yeah, a reason, but yeah. when they're unexamined, we just. And now we don't have that luxury, I believe. We need to really look at everything, whether that's what we're teaching our kids in schools or, you know, how we're treating even like the idea of like, what do you do with your free time? Well, it's like free time. Like, do you have free time? Everything you do is affecting the world. Everything you do is affecting yourself. Yeah. And so just even these various concepts that are baked into our (laughs) culture are are now being called into question. And the same is true with meditation. You start to look at, okay, well, what, why, why do I react to things? What's actually mm-hmm. happening in my body mm-hmm. when I get upset? Like, mm-hmm. you know, what, what is anger when you feel it? Well, I'm angry. Ah, well, what is that? Okay. What? That's your, that's for you to explore. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's really cool. And like right now we have, so it's interesting. I heard that we actually have less free time than the peasants in the Middle Ages. Yeah. Like, I heard that they, like, in terms of, like, our day job, like, they, like, people now on average are working more hours than the peasants in the Middle Ages spent working the fields. Mm-hmm. And, like, we have everything we need. Like, the farmers, we were talking, I told you before, that corn has been a big topic on the podcast. And, like... <laughs> I like I feel for him like being a born and raised Midwesterner like this is the this is farmland like we're feeding literally the world like I have family in Mexico too um and my aunt told me that Mexico gets a lot of their corn imported from the US mm. I was like what that's crazy you mean the corn tortillas down here in Mexico <laughs> may be made from Indiana corn and they're like yeah yeah that's how it is <laughs> and like so we we have like all the technology and the ability like there there's fewer farmers now than there were in the middle ages but like what are we doing with that time some of us are just working <laughs> slave waging i've or wage slaving is like the hot hot uh term for it nowadays that gets thrown around as a fun semi uh, comedic slang um so yeah that's interesting like how do we use our time and i imagine that has to be a part of like the tour and like the spirit behind it yeah or and or like is it is or and was that there at the beginning like a conscious use of you know, what just what are we doing with the little bit of time we got on this earth mm. very much so very much so and um i was very fortunate that 
you know, my earliest memories were of being two. And as far back as I can remember, my mom always told me, when you grow up, you can do whatever you want to do. You can be whatever you want to be. And I always took that very seriously and felt like, okay, wow, if I can do anything with my life, then it's very important for me to do whatever is going to be the most important thing. And how do I even know what is the most important thing? I mean, I grew up in Northern California where the indoctrination there is very much about follow your bliss, your feelings are the thing that's going to guide you to what is the most important thing. So then I was trying to figure out like, okay, what makes me feel the best and how can I base my life off of that? And through that exploration realized, oh, there's actually something even more meaningful than feelings and what feels good. And I still don't know what's the most important thing, but mm. it's been a constant exploration of what is it and how can I constantly be shifting my life to orient towards it. And so um, when I, I was really fortunate that even though both of my parents were very poor when I was born and they divorced when I was five, independently of each other, as soon as I was born, they just started saving up a college fund for me so mm. that by the time I was 17 and graduated high school, I could be supported through college. And so my goal was that when I graduated college, I wanted to be completely sustainable and self-sufficient. So um, I started just teaching violin lessons and I felt like, you know, I could put a price tag on what I'm doing, but I'm really wanting to meet people where they're at. And so I started teaching violin lessons just by donation. And then, because, um, you know, I felt like music is meaningful for people regardless of their financial situation mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. music lessons are so expensive when I was little mm -hmm. my mom couldn't mm -hmm. afford them and so yeah. I want to make sure that um, everyone has access to music and then um, I was living in San Francisco at the time and I um, I met someone playing cello on the street and he told me oh this is how I support myself and so I started playing with him and then playing by myself and realized wow like I'm making way above minimum wage just playing violin on the street. And so I started doing that along with continuing to teach and realized, wow, I can actually pay all my living expenses and put money into savings living in San Francisco just from teaching violin by donation and playing on the streets. So, um, you know, in Buddhism, there's this concept of right livelihood, mm -hmm. which is basically, I mean, one way to sort of summarize it is, are you doing more good than harm with the way that you're acquiring resources? Mm -hmm. And even before I knew what right livelihood was, that's always very much been my goal with my life. And, um, and so just realizing, you know, it's this life is such a gift. And I feel like these societal structures that are in place around, you know, what we eat, what our relationships look like, ritual slash lack of ritual, how we work, how we play, just all these things are set up in ways that don't seem to honor the sacred. And so how can I, how, you know, these structures don't work. So how can I create my own structures and, you know, both through innovating and like Pan was saying, drawing upon the wisdom of those who have you know, like Jesus lived a very unconventional life. The Buddha lived a very unconventional life and gained so much wisdom through doing that. And it's not easy for a lot of people. And so my goal also is to 
as I create these systems for myself, how can I bring other people into them? And so um, looping back to your question of how we spend our time, very much um, what you said is accurate, that the mission of the tour is both, you know, it's the way that I've currently found of how I can live my most meaningful life. Maybe by next year I'll have found something even more meaningful, but for now this is the most meaningful thing. And how can I bring other people onto the tour to help them live a more meaningful life and use the skills that they learn from being on the tour to apply to whatever their creative projects are if they never join the tour again. But then also the people who we're serving, how can we help them find tools that can help them live a more meaningful life and that could be anything as huge as you know I have this deep realization that my job is not the most meaningful thing I could do with my life so I'm going to quit my job and do something more meaningful or it could be you know this job that I felt was so mundane I actually realize is doing a very important service to people. And so how can I find the sacred in what I'm already doing so that I'm holding it in a, a different way and living in it a different way? And, um, you know, I could talk for the next few hours about this, yeah. but that sort of, sort of summarizes it. That's really cool. My, my godmother, Joy, lives in Des Moines, Iowa, and she's like super cool, super cool lady. Mm -hmm. And I got to visit her a couple times over the last few years and I brought a friend to her place. We were traveling across the country and my friend asked me, what's, what does she do like for work? I was like, I have no idea. <laughs> I've like hung out with her and we've talked about music and the salsa that she makes and her friend's restaurant. That's so good mm. that she wants to take me to, mm. but she's never even mentioned a word about how she keeps the lights on and pays the bills at her house. So I, I asked her, I was like, Joy, what do you do for work? And she goes, oh, I work at a bank. And then we like went back to talking about the, the tomatoes or like how she's looking for a natural pesticide to help with her plants that she grows. And, and that thing. And so what you were saying, like, I heard echo. I heard I think she figured out right livelihood or at least like how to make it work for her because like she she had some health issues she like beat cancer mm. back when i was young um she and her husband both had the same spontaneous condition where it was a spontaneously detached retina Whoa. the retina in their eye just like like unplug like pull the plug out of the wall like eye doesn't work her and her husband both had the exact wow. same thing wow. happen wow. to them. And <laughs> I don't know if like they're both healed from it, but like, I know when it happened to her husband, it just so happened that an expert on the surgery that fit that like retina reattachment, that dude was in town at the hospital <laughs> that he went to, to get checked out. And they're like, you need to get into surgery in an hour. So here we go, because this guy is here and he's flying out in two days. Well, you know, I wonder if that guy just happened to be Pan's dad. Because Pan's dad just happens to be an expert eye surgeon really? who travels it's the world. True. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it probably, he probably is. Pro at this rate, probably. <laughs> Synchronicities are undeniable. <laughs> and so, like, yeah, she told me, you know, everything from their paycheck goes off to the hospital. But they have they budget well and they have what they need to 
afford their food and go out to a restaurant here and there and like travel around. And that just like that blew my mind. Mm. Just her like, oh, I work at a bank. Yeah. And like so many people are just working at a bank. And but so many people are. I, I just work at a bank right. and and I mean I've had that thing like oh I just cook food or like oh I'm just landscaping mm-hmm. or I'm just teaching voice lessons mm-hmm. to I'm s- teaching kids to sing rock music I did that for four years and mm-hmm. I mean a couple of times I got like turned under and then like I, I watched that Disney movie Soul I think it was called Soul okay. it was, there was a music teacher in it and it was like on New Year's and I was like lamenting, like, is my role teaching music to kids even making a difference in the world? It was like in the middle of the pandemic. It was mm. like, you know, people are dying out here and mm. I'm singing rock music. And then like, you know, the more the moral of the story is like this teacher who was in the exact same place as me, like mentally connects with a student who's having a rough time at home. And that kid finds peace in music Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. because Mm -hmm. they had a teacher to share that with them. Mm -hmm. And he didn't even, he didn't know that before, you know, the whole, the plot unfolds. But then I, I like Mm -hmm. was watching this movie dumbfounded on at like 6am on New Year's (laughs) Eve after a long party. And I just like went home and like, I need to do as good a job as I can teaching these kids to sing rock music. Mm. Cause like I, I, my, my parents divorced when I was in high school and I had a voice teacher who like, who was just like, if you need me, I'm here. You can cry on my shoulder or if so you huge. don't, that's yeah. fine too. Fucking sucks. And I'm like, yeah, it fucking sucks. Let's just sing songs and started plunking scales on the piano. And that, I mean, that's still like my therapy when when I get down in the pits, like pick up that guitar uh, and play a few songs. It all at least uh, doesn't make me feel worse. <laughs> and so, like finding that that right livelihood, and I I think that's something because like we're we're. So many people are slave waging, yeah. working more hours a week than the peasants in the Middle Ages. Isn't that crazy? And like, yeah, it 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 breaks my heart because I I over the last couple of years just teaching music to kids and like cooking food for my community have gained a deep appreciation for the plumbers, mm-hmm. the electricians, oh, yeah. uh, the garbage men. Yeah. I'm sending thanks out to the garbage men totally. when the truck drives by each week. And mm-hmm. like just seeing all the parts as necessary yeah. and like deserving of appreciation. Um, like that, that I, I hope more people are able to do that. And see their their role in the grand human show as as vital and important. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And um. And you know what you shared was very key that it's not so much about what your role is as much as it's about how you're holding it. And yeah. Um, you know, one of the things we do on this tour is teach leadership training workshops. And whenever I teach these workshops, I always preface it by saying, you know. Being a leader doesn't need to mean, you know, that that doesn't only apply to CEOs or, you know, like I run events or those types of positions. Like 
even a janitor can be a leadership position mm-hmm. if you hold it in that way. And that's a choice, you know, and, um, you know, a mother is a leader. Or if you live in a house with roommates, that's a leadership position if you choose to hold it in that mm-hmm. way. And like Pan was saying earlier, it's like everything we do has an impact. And so, you know, like if you're um, working at the grocery store, you can, there's a way to do that where you're just doing it passively and saying, well, this job sucks, but I'm not the one designing the systems. And unfortunately, these systems are unethical and unjust and not spiritual. And so, unfortunately, I can't live a spiritual life because I have to work at this grocery store because if I quit my job at the grocery store, then I'm not going to be able to support my family. And, you know, some people are in a position to say, okay, you know, I'm going to quit my job at the grocery store and do something more meaningful. But that doesn't mean that you must quit your job at the grocery store to live a meaningful life or even to have a meaningful job. There's ways to work at the grocery store where you're in relationship with the people you're working with. You're in relationship with the people who you're serving. You're in relationship with something greater than yourself. And you're holding that position as a form of leadership. And so, yeah, what you said is really key. It's not at all about what our position is. It's about how are we holding that position? Are we Mm. actually being leaders in creating the world that we vision, even if we're a janitor, even if we're, you know, whatever it is. Mm. At this time, we're going to stop for a commercial break for Indiana Tea, which is sold at the health food shop made by Tom here in Fort Wayne. What are you drinking, guys? I'm drinking the sweet tea, the Hoosier Tea Daddy. Slightly sweet, mostly green, very... All delicious. <laughs> yeah, you know, Pan and I both went for the unsweetened green tea, and so I was good. actually really impressed to see that the only ingredients are purified water and green tea. Like, Isn't that badass? Yeah. I like, feel so hardcore reading. I read that to people in my, like, movie voice. I'm like, all right, listen to these ingredients. Purified water, green, green tea. tea. <laughs> so in a good. world with so many additives and chemicals that you can't even pronounce. One tea will emerge. Indiana tea. Yeah. And I love it. There's actually like the the logo is we were just <laughs> so much fun. It's called Smooth Criminal and it has like all these little hidden fun things. Like there's like references to various Indiana bands or like uh, just like different rockers who came out of uh-huh. Indiana like uh, like Michael famous Jackson people. famous yeah and they're just like like even like the like even the part of the the little hidden um, images on the, the the logo it's like you could peel this thing off and have it be a work of art that you like put up on your wall yeah, so yeah. that's going above and beyond I gotta mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I gotta support that shout out to my man Tom yeah Tom Fort Wayne through and through yeah, yeah. I'm I'm super grateful to be here in Fort Wayne and have my roots here, because um, we're just doing. I'm gonna be. I'm gonna give props to my town. We're doing good work. Mm. Like mm. Uh, I. So the grocery store I work at is called the Health Food Shop. Anyone listening, you can get Indiana tea at the Health Food Shop if Tom isn't at one of the farmers markets. Uh, we got great coffee. I took Renshin to uh, the Old Crown this morning. Hmm. She got a London Fog. I got a nice Americano. Um, yeah, I, I, I'm grateful for 
people putting in, like, doing the work. I feel like we're really doing the work, and uh, there's a lot of mindful people here mm. in Fort Wayne. Mm. I love um, that. Mm. Whether they're consciously mindful or just, like, just that's how we do. Yep. <laughs> yep. I don't know. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, there's, there's like, a real Midwestern work ethic. Yeah. Um, and so I... I'm proud of us and proud that we can share uh, that with people when they come through uh, like you guys. Uh, it's it's a real honor, uh, privilege and super fun to have you guys in town. Uh, thanks for being on the show. Mm. Uh, we're at a little over an hour, so I think let's get this wrapped up and move on with our days and our lives. Isn't that a... Days of our lives. That's the soap opera. <laughs> like, that's a soap opera. As the world turns. I won't, be, won't be watching Days of Our Lives. My mom watched soap operas like crazy when I was a kid. Um, I was, I was <laughs> um, so Autumn and Pan, uh, do you guys have anything you want to tell people to check out? There's a website uh, for the tour that I'll link below. Mm -hmm. um, is there anything else you want to direct people towards? Yeah, the final thing I'll say is that we run these entire tours through dana, which is a Buddhist term for the virtue of generosity. And so mm -hmm. instead of putting a fixed price on our events, we invite each person who comes to consider what was the value of what they received and what resources do they have available and what amount feels most in alignment with both. And for me, this is a way that we can run these entire tours in alignment with that principle of right livelihood. And so if you feel inspired by the work that we're doing, then on that website with the link below, there's a donate page where you can mm -hmm. contribute financially. Mm -hmm. And that type of generosity is what helps us be able to generously share these teachings and these workshops and these practices with people all over the country and now all over the U.S. and Canada. So. Yeah that's a way that you can participate in what we're doing even if you didn't get to come out to our event and the final thing i'll say is there's um there's also a contact form on that website and i would love to be in touch with anyone whether it's someone saying oh my buddy has a venue i'd love for you to do an event there or someone saying hey i'm really curious about this right livelihood thing i don't really know how to apply that to my job do you have any advice um pan mm -hmm. and i are both always really happy to have in-person connections um and even when we can't be in person one-on-one -on -one connections with people who reach out so i respond to every email that comes through that contact form so please do reach out with any questions or ideas that you have cool thank you that's awesome mm -hmm. amazing yeah. to be here with you yeah just feeling the love <laughs> sun is shining down yeah and it's just it's a huge blessing and yeah, I encourage people to reach out, you know, drop us a line, say hi and and keep keep your heart open. Whatever it is you're doing, wherever you are out there, there is every moment of the day is an opportunity to make a positive impact. Mm -hmm. um, and that doesn't as we've said, you know, it's been a theme in this podcast. It doesn't have to look like, you know, um, being a, a yogi on the mountaintop or a saint <laughs> in Calcutta or something crazy where it's like, you know, how can you make a positive impact um, for yourself and for others. And, and I think that's really what will uh, carry us into the transition time as mm -hmm. we're moving through big changes in the world. Mm -hmm. But um, yeah, I'd love to hear from you. Love to hear what you think of this episode or, you know, check out our website, drop us a line. Uh, appreciate your involvement as we weave this community web across the land. 
Heck yeah. Yeah, <laughs> check all that out. I'll, I'll put a link to the website, and I'll see if I can put a direct link to that donation page um, up there as well. <clears throat> a thing for me with this project has been opening myself up to receiving financial support from people. Um, I'm at the point where I feel like I can, from my end, ask for that. Like, I'm putting out a good, a good show, um, mm -hmm. and I'm putting it all out for free. I just want people mm -hmm. to... Uh, get the stuff like in the spirit of the Grateful Dead and making the music accessible. It all has to be out there. Yeah, um, and so, yeah, I, I've been linking to my Bandcamp and like a, a donate via PayPal. But yeah, for this one, if you're gonna give people money, give them, give it to the Chautauqua tour. Mm -hmm. Give them your money. I don't need it. Donate to me on the next episode, <laughs> and uh, or 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 buy my music as well. And uh, hopefully, we can. Have you guys again in town sometime? Mm -hmm. uh, this yes. has been a really good one. Mm -hmm. I, I've you have really really enjoyed this. So mm -hmm. thanks for making it work. I really uh, appreciate your time. Thank you mm -hmm. so much. It's been an, a really wonderful experience, and I know you've been um, helping host people here. You hosted, you know, hosting tour tour members so they have a place to stay, and you know, helping get the word out about the event, and really feel loved by you and and mm -hmm. all the. All the folks here in Indiana just really is truly a, a beautiful, warm welcome and crossroads. So thanks for all those of you who are out there holding down the fort. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Thank you, Autumn. Thank you, Pan, for being on the show, for giving me your time while you were on the road. Uh, there was a whole bunch of other stuff. I mean, not a whole bunch, but there's always other stuff going on behind the scenes. And uh, the fact that we were able to make this happen, I truly have... Uh, honest and genuine gratitude to both of you. So everybody, check them out. Check out the website below the uh, donate link to their page. Uh, the link to their donate page will be down there, so you can go follow that and give them some support if you're able. There will also be the link to my Bandcamp page, so if you want to buy my music, feel free. Uh, coming up soon, we're starting the ecstatic dances again. We took the last couple months off here in Fort Wayne, and uh, so this is a nice time to bring that back around and let you all know that January 7th, yeah, January 7th, it's the first Sunday of the month, we'll be having our first dance of the year, and it's going to be at the Dance Collective. That's downtown on Wayne Street. It's in the same building as the uh, cool movie theater, the Cinema Center. So I uh, hope to see you there. I've got a Pumas performance at the Garden in February and another in March. So stay tuned on more information on that. And I hope you've had a good holiday season. Like I said earlier, I'm recording this on Christmas Day, the night of Christmas Day. And uh, looking forward to New Year's and seeing 2024 off on a good foot. So... Hope everybody's having fun. Hope you're all staying safe out there. Make good decisions, and I'll see you next time. <laughs> <laughs>